Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. Hey guys, and welcome to Moms and Murder, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. You found a house, maybe. Well, (laughs) we'll see. By the time this releases, hopefully I will have a home to call my very own. (laughs) I feel like there's a rap song about that, but yeah, yeah, maybe. We'll see. Okay. Let's see what happens. (laughs) So before we get into the show today, uh, we have a promo to play for you guys. I think you guys will really enjoy this podcast, and I will let them tell you all about it. Hello, everyone. I'm Ashley Flowers. And I'm Britt. And I bet you're here because you love true crime, which is why you should check out our podcast, Crime Junkie. Every Monday, I tell you about whatever crime case I've been obsessing over that week. We try to stick to the facts and not dive into any crazy rabbit holes or wild speculation, so the stories stay suspenseful and they're easy to follow. We cover lesser-known cases that haven't been done on other podcasts. Like episode 18, which is about a 30-year unsolved murder of a young girl in Indiana whose murderer taunted the community with notes for years. Or we cover cases everyone is talking about, but with our own special twist. Like in episode 20, where we talk about Adnan Syed, his story became famous when Serial covered it back in 2014. But did you know that Serial didn't tell you everything? We will fill you in on the key points you have to know, which might actually change your mind about the case. So if you're looking to get an extra fix of true crime, check out Crime Junkie every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. 
So this is going to be the first of two episodes. Um, this story is really... We don't ever have good adjectives. <laughs> Just never. It's long. Just... Um, it's very entertaining. But uh, there's a lot to it. So we are going to break this up into two episodes. I know um, we haven't done a two-parter since our very first episodes. Um, episodes yeah. one and two. So we're going to get right into it. This week's story comes to us from the small town of Hellendale or Silver Lakes, California. And we are going to jump right into We Yelp This City this week. Yay. Okay. So Silver Lakes, California, also known as Hellendale, as Mandy said, it's a community located in the like desert area, lots of desert area yeah. in San Bernardino County, California. That is very difficult. That's a mouthful. <laughs> well, it's not for most people, but for me, it's always kind of <laughs> difficult. So as of 2010, there were about 5,623 residents. That's such a small area. We're bigger than them. Finally, yeah. somebody. Yeah. So the area, area really is like basically just a desert. In 1969, construction began on two man-made lakes, appropriately and boringly named North Lake and South Lake. Wow. Yeah. They're really just living it up down there. They actually are, as we get into this story. Oh, they're living it up already. They're living it up. <laughs> so uh, and January 1st, 2018, just this year, a movie was released called Under the Silver Lake, starring, who is it? Andrew Garfield. What was he? He wasn't. I know you're not seriously oh asking me to help you out with this. No, I wasn't. I was literally asking myself. <laughs> it seems like a ways to ask you on that one. But he was Batman. Nope. He was Spider-Man. He was one of the new Spider-Mans. Remember back whenever there was like the Spider-Man with um, the good looking? No, he's not really good looking. <laughs> okay. Kirsten Dunst was. Right. And that guy, Tobey Maguire. Yes. There's a new one. There's oh, been like three that. of them. Exactly. No, nope. I, I, I did not know that. So he stars in this movie and there's lots of other people I recognize but have no idea about their names. Now, while this movie is not about this week's story, it does take place in the same same area, Silver Lakes, and it's every bit as dramatic and twisted as the story we're telling you this week. So among the people living in Silver Lakes were a fairy tale couple named Robert and Sabrina Limone. They were exactly the type of couple that other couples aspire to be like, with their closest friends even using words like perfect to describe their relationship. First of all, not buying it. <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> it's not Pleasantville. Well, it's a... No, it's not Pleasantville. It's a real twisted version of, <laughs> of Pleasantville if it is. So they were happy and bubbly and they supposedly never fought or argued, which again, not buying it. Uh, <laughs> but they had special pet names for each other. And my favorite one was they called each other Pooter. Yeah, that that just doesn't roll off the tongue. There has to be like a story behind it. And I'm not interested in what that story was. <laughs> yeah, I have a hard time even. Pooter? Just say <laughs> that. repeating that. Oh. It's so gross. It sounds like a pen name for poop. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like something I would say to my three-year-old. I don't know. No, thank you. I'm not into it. Mm -mm. Um, So the pair met in their teens in their home state of Arizona and had an instant connection. When Rob finally brought Sabrina home to meet his family, they all agreed that it was obvious the couple was meant to be. They could tell that Sabrina loved Rob, and they were ecstatic that he had found someone who cared about him that much. On August 19th, 2000, the couple took the next step in their relationship and tied the knot. The couple eventually settled in Silver Lakes, and although Rob had at one time aspired to become a firefighter, he ended up taking a high-paying job with the Santa Fe Railroad as a mechanic. They went on to have two children, a son and a daughter, and Sabrina took pride in raising their children, although she did come to find employment at Costco, 
um, high, handing out food samples. That sounds like the best job ever. Right? I mean, do you get to eat the food? I know. Here's the exception. They probably keep inventory of what you have you're giving out. So if you're just like eating cheese like cubes all day, <laughs> someone's going to either rat you out or be like, there's no way you gave out three pounds of cheese today. It wasn't just that their family life was perfect. Rob and Sabrina also had a large but close-knit group of friends who they referred to as the Woof Pack. I don't (laughs) think groups of friends should have names. I don't either. I'm not – we're not a friend group name. I just can't do it. It is kind of – I mean, it's a little strange. It's strange. But you know what? I, like, got married before you had, like – you know how they have hashtags, like, happily ever Smith or whatever now on Instagram (laughs) and stuff? Right. So, like, I feel like we're more in that time where people are like, we have to label every little thing. And at my wedding, they still had, like, the wind-up cameras (laughs) that, like, nobody (laughs) used. So this group would spend holidays and birthdays together, and one couple in particular had a very tight bond with the Limones. They were named Kelly and Jason Bernatine. Kelly was a hairdresser who first met Sabrina as a client and remembers how friendly and vivacious she was. They became fast friends, and, her, and their husbands, Rob and Jason, did the same. So I thought, um, I mean, I guess when you live in a town with only 5,000 people, you can befriend your hairdresser. Yeah. I mean. I love the lady that cuts my hair, but. We don't really have to is be that friends weird, outside. Though? That's can what you, I don't know. Can you like, can you do that? Can you just say like, I think you might be fun to hang out with. Is it a conflict of interest? <laughs> <laughs> do you think if you're the hairdresser, are you using me for a discount? Well, actually, this has come up in my personal life recently with myself. It's an internal struggle. So every, like at least once or twice a week, I will take my son into, um, get a little breakfast sandwich at this place nearby his school. Well, the girl that works there is really nice and friendly, and she's so nice to my son. And I'm always like, I should ask her if she wants to just hang out with us. But then I'm like, you can't do that. You can't just ask people that. You could be wrong. You could be real wrong. She could just be employee of the month. (laughs) That's probably the case. (laughs) If she hasn't given you a free sandwich at this point. Like, where do you make friends when you're our age? (laughs) That's the thing. You just don't. You're just stuck with what you have, which is how I got stuck with you. (laughs) Thank you, Melissa. I love our friendship as well. (laughs) Kelly and Jason said that everyone in their Wolfpack circle envied the type of relationship that Sabrina and Rob had, and the couple was the center of attention anytime they all got together. All the men wanted to be like Rob, and all the women wanted their husbands to be like Rob, but this picture-perfect life would all come crashing to a halt about a week after Rob's 38th birthday. On August 17th, 2014, Rob was working alone at an isolated railroad office, and Sabrina was working a shift at Costco. The couple spent the day texting back and forth, as they often did, but when Rob didn't call Sabrina on his way home from work, she began to worry and suspect that something might be wrong. The following are text messages that Sabrina sent to Rob that evening. First one says, Call me, Bear. I'm home now. So this is just more. They have their cute little... Bear and Pooter. (laughs) (laughs) I love them. I love those nicknames. Um, The next one said, Getting the kids dinner and ready for school. Yay. I'm assuming that school was getting ready to start because it was August, so it must have been like the first day of school was going to be coming Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Um, I was confused by that She was really excited with the yay for getting the kids. Several exclamation points. Kids ready to school. Um, So Rob did not respond to either one of these messages, and so a little bit while later, Sabrina sent another message that said, babe, I'm worried about you. Call me. Leanna wants to say goodnight. A little while later, one of Rob's co-workers dialed 911 to report that Rob had been found dead at the office that he had been working at that day. He had suffered two gunshot wounds, one to the upper body and one to the head. Word traveled fast in the small town, and everyone who knew the couple was stunned. 
who would want the nicest man in the world dead? Family and friends rushed to Sabrina's side as everyone tried to process what had happened. Detective Randall Meyer responded to the call and immediately felt that something was off about the scene. His instinct told him that this was an intentional murder because generally in a burglary situation, no one gets killed. He thought someone may have been upset with Rob and sought him out to end his life. But the investigation got muddy and confusing when Meyer started speaking with Rob's friends and coworkers. He heard over and over again what a kind and loving man Rob was. He was a good friend and he never had a problem with anyone at work. Detective Meyer wondered whether Rob was even the intended target of the shooting at all after he learned that he was actually covering a shift for one of his coworkers that day. He thought it may be possible that the coworker was the intended victim and that the killer shot the wrong guy. We see that sometimes yeah, in really terrible hit jobs where they kill the wrong person, like they don't have enough information or you'll hear like one of the craziest stories I've ever heard, I think it was in Texas, where another person got killed. They had the same name as the intended target. Uh-huh. And just, I've heard oh. of that story too. I wish I could remember her name now. Yeah. I'm sure a quick Google search basically just saying person who got killed for having somebody else's name, which is like my Google skills, I'd have it. In, <laughs> That's exactly how I Google I'd have it in 30 <laughs> seconds. The investigation was going nowhere. When officers questioned Sabrina, she told them the same sentiments that everyone else had, that Rob was a good husband, a fantastic father, and that they had a great marriage and everyone loved Rob. The railway company eventually put up a $100,000 reward for information, which I thought was so cool. Yeah. That like they really, it's kind of going to show what kind of guy he was. Detectives uncovered that a security camera at the railway station captured footage of a person carrying a bag walking across the parking lot on the same day that Rob was killed. The person appeared to be limping and could be seen a few minutes later leaving on the other side of the parking lot. Detectives had no idea how they were going to identify this person, and that does seem like a very hard task really to set out on. Yeah. You have this like grainy footage of a person walking across a parking lot. I don't even know where you start. I know. How do you even start? Anytime they say like, and then we decided to do this, I'm like, oh, that's genius. But I had no idea how they came up with that No, I would never have made that jump from from A to B. (laughs) That's why I'm not a detective. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) So the detectives actually hit a little bit of a stroke of luck and a call came in to the tip line and said that they knew of a younger person who walked the limp and just so happened to cross that very parking lot kind of frequently. So his name was Joshua Wehust, and they looked him up, and they learned that he had a minor record, including nonviolent offenses, but he also had guns registered to his name. So when the officers tracked him down, they realized that his shoes matched some shoe prints that had also been found near the scene. However, Detective Meyer was able to quickly determine that he had a solid alibi, and Joshua was no longer a person of interest in Rob's murder. I guess he was... With his family that night. His yeah, parents. Yeah, I didn't even said, think like that was like that solid of an alibi. Was it I like he was either. just home like, and yeah, his parents? And your mom agreed. and dad said you were there. Okay, fine. Yeah. I don't know. I know. Like, I'm sure more went into it than that. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. But no, really, sometimes they'll have an alibi and somebody will say, well, I was with this person. And then they're like, oh, well, we don't really know. And then this one, they're like, oh, you're with your mom and dad? Cool. Great. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm sure there was more to it. Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> we may never know. We may never know. The detectives started looking into each vehicle they could see passing through the area on the security footage. It was a relatively quiet street, and they were able to confirm that all the vehicles seen were supposed to be there, except for one. A man on a motorcycle could be seen driving past, and no one was able to identify who he was or confirm that that rider had any reason to be in the area at all. Police focus our efforts on identifying this man. So this was actually also on a Sunday. So they said this area, there wasn't a lot of traffic anyway, but 
for there to be anybody coming and going on a Sunday in like this industrial area was kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Kelly and Jason have been in contact with authorities and trying to give them any information that could be a potential lead. During one conversation with Detective Meyer, Jason threw out a name that police hadn't heard before, Jonathan Hearn. Jason had worked with Jonathan in the past, and he disclosed a bombshell secret that would ultimately change the course of the investigation into Robert's murder. He revealed that the perfect marriage that Rob and Sabrina had said they had may not have been so perfect, and that Sabrina had been having an affair with Jonathan. Dun, dun, dun. I know. <laughs> Jonathan Hearn was 24 years old, making him nearly a decade younger than Sabrina, who relished his attention. He was raised in a strong Christian family with his five siblings, where faith and emphasis on helping others were the foundation of his upbringing. He was highly intelligent and excelled in the fire academy, after which he worked as a paramedic before becoming a full-fledged firefighter. One of Jonathan's duties at the fire station was to make runs to the store to purchase food to keep at the station. So he frequented the same Costco where Sabrina worked as a sample girl. And that's how the two of them met. It's the meat cute. Yeah. It's, I mean, what a amazing love story you met at Costco while you're getting samples. Honestly, I'm surprised that's not my love story that I (laughs) met my husband eating samples at Costco. Yeah. One night at a Wolfpack party, Please the, don't say that. <laughs> that's what it was. It was a Wolfpack party. I hate party. it so much. Uh, Kelly and Jason Bernatine ran into Jonathan, and they kind of got weird vibes when they tried to call Sabrina over to say hi, because um, they had known that Sabrina had had met him through Costco or whatever, right. and so they were like, "Oh, Sabrina, by the way, our friend." Jonathan is here, you know, come over and say hi. You know Jonathan, right? Mm -hmm. Well, Sabrina, instead of being her normal, you know, hi, you know, happy-go-lucky self, she was kind of like, oh, like Jonathan's here and just made the whole situation very awkward. So Kelly thought it was weird right off the bat. She didn't know why. She couldn't really put her finger on what was going on, but Mm -hmm. she definitely thought something was strange about the reaction that Sabrina had to Jonathan being there. Right. And so we saw this. We'll link to the story on Dateline, but it's one of my absolute favorite Datelines. And it's a Mankiewicz It's a Mankiewicz one. When he came on our episode, he actually talked about this one a few weeks before. Um, It had aired a few weeks before. And so this one is like, I've wanted to, like for us to do this one forever, but it didn't really work out. And plus, Date with Dateline, you'll have to check them out. They covered this story and they do a great job with everything. But that's like the first episode I heard of theirs and it's amazing. But please keep listening to us for this one. (laughs) Jonathan then began trying to weasel his way into the Wolfpack circle and would constantly text and call Jason in an attempt to befriend him so that he could get closer to Sabrina. And so, yeah, Jonathan was writing him like all the time. Like, can I, can I please do something with you guys? I I think you guys are a great group. I'd love to be a part of it. Really want to be your BFF. Wolfpack. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it just the fact that much. I knew that this group had a name, I'd be like, you know what? I'm good. I don't, I don't need to be a part of this. <laughs> I'll find my own cult. Thank you very much. Right. <laughs> Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery, 
delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. One evening, Rob was at Jason and Kelly's home working on a home improvement project, and Jason receives a strange text from Jonathan, and he's asking him to help him get in contact with Rob, which is, what's the point? Right. Why? Right. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Why do you need him? Yeah. You're not in the wolf pack. So he told... (laughs) He tells Jason that he's been living his life wrong and he wants to get right with God and he came clean about the affair he had been having with Sabrina. That is such a weird way to like disclose your affair to like call the friend and be like, yeah, I need, I need contact information or can you just tell him I'm sleeping with his yeah, wife? I feel like that's the way you should do it. Like, <laughs> like the game of telephone, like yeah. you're the last one to hear it. You have to go tell him. Yeah, it seems but, strange. Yeah. And so you hear this kind of theme throughout where like there where he's very big on forgiveness and he wants to do the right thing, but something's causing him to make these terrible decisions. So Jason returns to the house and breaks the news to Rob, but surprisingly, Rob wasn't at all alarmed. In fact, he told Jason he had recently found out about the affair. Rob was devastated and he broke Sabrina's phone in a fit of rage, but the couple talked about it and decided to work things out And they wanted to keep the news of the affair a secret, which I imagine, especially living in this small little community, you got to do everything you can to keep this quiet, especially if they want to go forward with their relationship. Right. So he tells Jason that Sabrina is really embarrassed and asks him to please not tell anyone about it, which Jason and Kelly happily agreed to do. Because they're all really good friends. Because they're the Wolfpack. Right. (laughs) You don't turn on your Wolfpack. First rule of Wolfpack. (laughs) Don't tell everybody about an affair one of your members is having. (laughs) That will make a little bit more sense a little bit later on. (laughs) So life kind of went back to normal for the Limones, and everyone believed that the affair had stopped and that Sabrina and Rob were getting back to being the happy-go-lucky couple that was so well-liked by all that knew them. That is, until a year later, when Kelly Bernatine went into Costco and saw Jonathan there talking to Sabrina. Ooh. (laughs) So Kelly immediately told her husband, Jason, like, Jason, you'll never guess who I saw at Costco talking to Sabrina. And Jason got mad and 
called Jonathan right away to confront him and ask him, like, what are you doing? This is really inappropriate. You've already, like, wrecked this family, and why are you talking to her at Costco? Yeah. And uh, he was pretty upset and and told Jonathan he better not ever go in there again. So I guess – Find a new Costco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's literally what he said. That's literally what he said. And so uh, Jonathan agreed that he would um, not shop at Costco anymore. I don't know how you explain that to your boss at the fire station, but <laughs> – he said he wouldn't go in. Got to get my sample somewhere else, boss. Yeah. <laughs> so that should have really been the end of it. But just a few months later, Jonathan would find himself in the middle of a twisted plot to execute an innocent husband and father. What Rob and the rest of the Wolfpack didn't know is that not only had Sabrina not ended her affair with Jonathan, but they had also become so close that the two of them were now fantasizing about making a life together. Sabrina wanted out of her marriage, but was unwilling to face the consequences or the fallout from getting a divorce and allegedly told Jonathan that her husband would rather be dead than divorced. So this is how a murder plot was born. I'm sorry. Don't you think you should give somebody an option like, hey, would you rather divorce (laughs) me or die? (laughs) Yeah. Allegedly, this started off as just a joke between the two of them. And but apparently the more they talked about it, the more it got under Jonathan's skin, and he actually started to entertain the idea of killing Rob. Jonathan was so infatuated with Sabrina, and he was getting increasingly tired of sharing her with another man. Yeah, but it's his wife. Yeah, like it's not sharing if you're right. actually – he's not in on it. Right, like, exactly. he's not signing off and, like, on that. like you're not the husband, so like <laughs> you're, you're not sharing her at all. Right, like, <laughs> you're stealing in this situation. Right. Working together with Sabrina, the pair hatched out a plan to poison Rob, which was just one of the many ways they had discussed killing him. I think there was a few other ones, too. Like, they had said, like, they could, like, figure out a way to get him in a car accident or something like that. They had a couple of ways that they discussed how they could do this. Right. So, for something that was just a joke, they sure were doing a lot of planning. Yeah. Lots of research on this. So Jonathan concocted a dessert of banana pudding and arsenic, which he purchased using a prepaid credit card under a fake name and had it delivered to his grandparents' art studio. Don't get them involved. Right. I, I thought that too. I'm like, your Grammy? I'm like, why would you why do that would to you your do Grammy? That? They knew that arsenic would do the job because they first tested it on a neighbor's dog. Jonathan had apparently laced a piece of salmon with arsenic and slipped it to the dog, who he said was pretty obnoxious. And then claimed that about three days later, the dog was no longer a, quote, problem. So the intention of the poison pudding was for Sabrina to pack it in Rob's lunch. And they both allegedly believed that the local hospital was too dumb to figure out that Rob had arsenic in his system. Because it's not like their job or anything. Right. And it's not like when a 38-year-old dies after eating pudding. No one questions anything. Yeah. They're not like, you know, we're not going to do toxicology on this. We believe you. The bananas. That's got to be it. Right. Too much potassium in the system. So at the last minute, Sabrina got scared, and she was worried they would get caught, so she called her husband to let him know to toss the banana pudding because she said it tasted weird, and she believed the bananas had gone bad. Not possible. It's banana pudding. Like, they just go bad in the pudding, and you eat them. Right? I mean, I guess. Once you put them in the refrigerator, they're basically ruined anyway. Yeah. I'd eat around those bananas. (laughs) I know. Well, one interesting part of that was that um, I guess he made this, like, banana pudding dessert and then he portioned out some into like a a Tupperware container that that he mixed arsenic with and then he supposedly gave that Tupperware container to Sabrina to have at her house and she I guess stored it in her refrigerator terrifying yeah she has two small children (laughs) yeah when my kids see dessert it's over right yeah and so I that really did infuriate me I was like if that is true 
I can't even with that. Like, this, this is so dumb all around. Like, dumb, dumb, dumb. Yeah. But in 2018, why are we still able to order arsenic online? <laughs> like, I know. Who's using that, that for anything good? good. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, so Sabrina and Jonathan then moved on to plan B. They would devise a plot to murder Rob in person. Sabrina armed her lover with all the information he would need to carry out the murder, including the address where Rob would be working on the date they had decided upon. Although Sabrina was fully on board with having her husband murdered, Jonathan allegedly did not tell her his exact plan or method for how he was going to make it happen. Before the murder, Jonathan drove out to the remote location of the railway facility and canvassed the area. He took pictures and made note of the surveillance camera that he saw in front of the building. Then he made a makeshift gun silencer out of the barrel of a mag light by drilling end caps to fit the caliber of the bullet he planned to use and then used freeze plugs inside the barrel to muffle the gun sound. So I'm supposed to understand all of that. That's supposed say, to make sense Nobody to me. write to me and ask what any of that means. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Once you said mag light, I'm like, whoop, I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that was about the last word that I understood. Mm-hmm. I mean, I understand all of those words Separately, yeah. <laughs> So if anyone knows what any of that means, you can let us know too. (laughs) So to further prepare for the killing and to set himself up for a disguise, he put some adhesive flashing on his motorcycle to alter the appearance of the gas tank, exhaust pipes, and rear fender. He was kind of changing the color and appearance of them. I guess so then he could rip them off and say, that wasn't me. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) If you're five. Well, it makes sense if you're... A murderer and you're coming up like you got to come up with as many different things as you can yeah 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 so then on august 17th 2014 he dressed himself in new clothing and put on a mask before heading to the railway station to carry out the intricate plan something interesting i read was that the mask he wore was like a it was like an elderly person's disguise like that's what it was like the mask was of like an older person's face i don't know where you get that any time in life if you are putting on a mask and it's not Halloween. You need to question what you you're doing. You need to reevaluate your life because yeah. <laughs> the next decision you make is a terrible one. Right. Every time. Absolutely. 100%. When Jonathan arrived at the facility that day, he witnessed Rob leaving in a truck, at which point Jonathan parked across the street and then walked into the garage where Rob was working. Filled with emotion and apprehension, Jonathan almost backed out, but then suddenly Rob returned and went into the garage. At this point, Jonathan composed himself for about 10 or 15 minutes, said a prayer, and then entered the garage where he exchanged a few words with Rob before attempting to take the gun from his backpack. This is so... He said a prayer. Yeah. God, please help me carry out this murder? Yeah, I mean, this is How does that... So, how do you rationalize that? that you, is you can't. You absolutely can't. Um, and just that he was talking to him, just... He had all these opportunities. This is what always upsets me in these things. Like when they first kind of freak out over the banana pudding and stuff at that point, you have to look at things and say, man, this, this is too far. Like obviously murder is too far, but you can look at it. There's a point of return at that. Right. At that point you can say, we don't have to do any of this. We're not doing any of this. Obviously you're bad for me and I'm bad for you. Why don't we not murder anybody and go on our happy way? Right. But just to do this over and over again, is super upsetting. So, To Jonathan's surprise, a part of the gun had gotten stuck in the corner of the backpack, so the first shot he fired was actually from within the bag. It hit Rob in the upper body, causing him to fall on the ground, fatally wounded. Jonathan then staged a burglary in the office. Before he left the building, he had second thoughts about whether Rob was actually dead or not. Could have called the police. 
and he made the decision to shoot him once more in the head before leaving to head home. When Jonathan got back to his house, he had several missed calls and texts from Sabrina asking if he was okay. That just made me so mad. Right? I know. You know he's okay, but what about your husband? Right. So he returned her calls and let her know that he had completed the murder and that everything was about to change. For a long time, nobody appeared to be onto them, and detectives seemingly had no real leads in the murder. The lovers continued to spend hours on the phone together and exchange hundreds of text messages professing their love and just this happiness that God's plan for them was really working out. That was until Jason and Kelly tipped off the investigators about the affair. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so uh, this is where we're actually going to end this week. Um, we're going to leave you guys with a little bit of a cliffhanger, and I promise it'll be worth it next week. Um, it gets way more twisted and crazy. And the second half of the story is just way more twisted. Way bonkers. Um, so that was it for this week. That's part one of our episode on the murder of Robert Limone. Um, we do have a couple of last thing before we go that we are going to do this week, and uh, then we will let you guys go do whatever you do. What is it that you do? <laughs> Person that can't respond to me while we're on here. So, Melissa, Morgan G wants to know, do you like sushi, yay or nay? Never, never. I tried it. I went and um, when I was in Virginia, I had, there was like a sushi area and they have the California rolls that are supposed to be like kind of cooked and stuff. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask. Garbage, raw, icky, nasty. Ugh. It feels like you're choked. It's like slime. So, here's my complaint about sushi. So, I like sushi rolls I can't eat raw fish straight up that's just not gonna work it's not okay um but like the rolls with the rice and the seaweed and it's all wrapped around my complaint is that I think you're supposed to just eat that whole pop that whole sucker in your mouth and chew on it but it's just so much I can't I can't but we don't even know that to be sure like you don't even know that to be true yeah but have you I've tried to like just bite it in half and you just Mm -hmm. can't it doesn't work you're supposed to just eat the whole thing so sushi I do like it on occasion very rarely will I actually like seek it out like I don't really ever get in the mood and be like you know I want to go out for sushi not when steaks around yeah you know now there is a place here in Orlando it's in um City Walk which is part of Universal Studios and it's called um, the cowfish. They're not paying us. Don't say their name. <laughs> no, they're not paying us. But it kind of make, makes sense whenever you hear what it is. But this place is interesting because they kind of like do a mashup. It's like a burger place and sushi. And so they have this dish there and it's called burgushi. <laughs> like, that sounds like the biggest stomach ache. So, so I ordered it and it was actually interesting. Um, yeah, that that would be the word for it. Interesting. <laughs> oh. It was really, but it was, it's good. It's at, it's at, universal so everything there is fancy so even though it sounds again they're not paying us shut up (laughs) so the next one (laughs) comes from the notorious nikki t who we love with all our heart host of strictly homicide host of strictly homicide yeah guys go check that podcast out so nikki wants to know what is our most unusual fear do you have an unusual fear i do but i'm gonna let you go first okay mine's not really a fear so much as a phobia so i Wait, explain the difference. (laughs) It's just like, it's not like I'm scared. I'm not like shaking my boots over it, but like. You don't wear boots. (laughs) This is Florida, not Texas, and you're not Woody from Toy Story. (laughs) Okay. Well, it doesn't make me shake in my flip-flops, but I don't like um, a kitchen sponge. Oh, yeah. Ever since I was young. Okay, so I remember when I was like 
younger and it was like a thing that I had to actually start helping around the house and cleaning the kitchen, I learned very quickly that I do not like a kitchen sponge. I don't like to touch it and they're just really gross. And just even the thought of it right now is kind of giving me like goosebumps. Mm -hmm. So I would like make my mom buy me those, you know, those sponges that have handles. (laughs) Yeah. That's what I would use because I refuse to touch a sponge. Well, even to this day, I've gotten a little bit better about it, but I change my sponge very frequently because I cannot stand it if it gets dirty. Yeah, no. And it has like a specific feeling when it gets gross. I use the, um, like in my kitchen, the bristle thing. Like I don't have any sponges and I guess maybe I'm a little worried about it too. Or my husband is very freaked out about it. He used to be so paranoid. I was like, screw this. Well, let me tell you a story that's going to make you want to vomit. Make me want to (laughs) what? I think that this whole thing, um, stemmed from my young, young childhood. And my grandmother is this Texan okay she's just from Texas everything she does is very old-fashioned and I remember I have memories of this and being so grossed out but she would like wipe the counters and then use the same sponge to like wipe my face no that's yes and I love my grandmother is it the grandma I know yeah I can never look at that lady the same way no and she's just one of those people but she does not change her sponge all the time Mm. she's one of the people that would just use a sponge until it's falling apart and said she used it on a face so yeah but I'm pretty sure that's why I don't like sponges oh yeah if somebody wiped my face with a sponge I'd be pretty scared too so I have two but they're kind of similar I'm terrified not not terrified I don't I can function I hate balloons. I hate them. I hate the feeling of them. I don't want them to be close to me. I'm terrified of them popping. That little sound they make when you like. Yeah. Oh, everything. Tying it like my mouth. You know how like when nails on a chalkboard, it does that to my mouth. Like where my mouth is like watering and I can like (laughs) barely function. If a kid brings it up, I'm like, I'm like biting the side of my mouth. It's terrifying. And rubber bands. I don't like rubber bands. Like a hair tie is fine, but rubber bands that could potentially pop and open Mm. Somebody must have scared me with some popping noise as a child that I'm reliving right now. But like I could never – you could never give me like a, a thing of money. Like if somebody robbed something and there's like, a, you know, a bundle of money with a rubber band, I'd throw it right back at him. I can't touch it. It's just it's too much for me. Don't give me anything with a rubber band. Cut it yourself. Like kids' toys, I'm like – it just – I have chills right now. So I feel like that's unusual. <laughs> it's definitely unusual. I, I mean I guess – they're not really like fears, though. We're not scared of anything. We just don't like certain I things. I have no fear. <laughs> I should be scared of more things. No, yeah, they're just weird dislikes. Yeah. I don't want to be in a room with a balloon, though, honestly. <laughs> I really don't. And don't make me put them in my van. I will just cry and be terrified. All right, guys. That is our show for the week. Um, come back next week and hear part two of our... Part two. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever we're doing here, guys, just come back. have a great week bye Bye. thanks so much for listening to the moms and murder podcast make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode you can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime thanks so much